What's up, guys? I'm Tyler, and here with me, as always, is my co-host, Curtis, and we are glad to welcome you back to this latest edition of the Glory UGA podcast. Uh, there's been a lot of news on the recruiting front since we uh, were last with you guys with commitments, decommitments, camps, and a host of other developments. So today, we're going to spend the entire show talking about Georgia football recruiting. Uh, Curtis and I, uh, we've been following Georgia football recruiting avidly for over a decade now, right, Kurt? About that long? It's been a while um, since we really got heavily into it. And uh, over the years, uh, I know, I don't want to speak for you, Kurt, but I know I have kind of developed a love-hate relationship with it, you know? Uh, I love the excitement and the hope that recruiting can yield, and I truly do love the process of evaluating prospects. That's what I truly like about recruiting. And it's exciting, too. But, uh, you know, getting out to camps, taking in games, watching highlights, all that stuff, I love it. But, saying that, there's also an ugly side to recruiting. I, I truly disdain the culture of narcissism and selfishness that re- the modern recruiting kind of breeds in a lot of prospects. I guess it was always that way to a degree, you know? But with the advent and the proliferation of social media, we've kind of seen an explosion in the level of narcissism and self-promotion in, in this recruiting process. At least, that's how I see it. I mean, look, there's still plenty of guys that, go, that just kind of go about their business and make a decision without drawing out. Uh, you, get, you know, go back to like AJ Green. You know, remember his recruitment? Like, dude, he, he committed and he was done pretty much. You know, Nick Chubb of years past, a guy like Zamir White this year. Those guys do what I would say the right way. Uh, and who am I to say what's the right way? But just the way that I prefer. But there are far too many of those guys out there that they kind of develop a bloated sense of self um, through the recruiting process, and they kind of have to be de-recruited by coaches once they get on campus. Um, so I love it. I hate it. A little bit of both. Kurt, how do you view the, the recruiting process? Am I just a premature geezer over here? No, I mean, it's really just become used car sales. Yeah, it's, there's, there's a certain, it's kind of distasteful to a degree sometimes. Uh, not all of it, not, not every guy, but I, I, there's just some of that stuff, you know, and some of the things you hear that you don't know if it's true or not, but sometimes they come out like with Ole Miss, and hey, by the way, all that was true. It's just, it's there's an ugly side to it. Um, so... I kind of have a love-hate relationship with it. But uh, regardless of personal feelings, in my opinion, I think it's undeniable that recruiting is the lifeblood of any college program. And that's why I follow it so closely. I think that's why most people follow it so closely. It's about the Jimmys and the Joes. And I know a, uh, a lot of you out there have a ton of interest in it. As uh, we probably, honestly, uh, if you look at our social media, if you look at our email account, we get more recruiting questions than anything uh, from all you guys out there on social media. So today what we're going to do is listen to the masses, and we're going to introduce a new feature that we're going to call the Recruiting Blitz, where we are going to just discuss all the recent developments and the future outlook for our recruiting efforts. We won't necessarily do this every week, but anytime we have a lot of uh, news building up like we have had over the course of the past week or so, we'll do a Recruiting Blitz show and just spend the entire show talking recruiting. So we will get to all of that momentarily, but before we do, uh, we just have a couple quick business items to run through. If you are newer to the show and don't know where to find us in the social media world, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. If you're a little more old school, you can also email us at GloryUGAPodcast at gmail.com. Either way works for us, so whatever works for you is awesome. Uh, we also finally, Carl, I don't think I told you this yet, man, uh, but I finally got our Facebook page up and going, dude. Are you proud of me? Come on. Finally it's got yeah, I know it's been a while, man. Uh, I think I did it right. I don't have a personal Facebook page, so embarrassingly, you're right. This was a it was a long process, kind of an adventure for me. But 
it's up. I think it's still up. Um, if I didn't do, somehow accidentally delete it, but uh, yeah, go check it out. Check out our Facebook page out. It's still uh, a work of progress, but it's up there. You can find it by searching for Glory UJ Podcast on Facebook. And uh, once you find us on Facebook, guys, please make sure to like the show. That would be awesome and uh, very helpful for us as we continue to try to grow the show and bring you guys enhanced content. Uh, you can also subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn, all those podcasting platforms, so that you are automatically alerted when new shows are posted. And um, as with Facebook, we greatly appreciate if you guys give us a quick review on iTunes or any of those other platforms, but especially iTunes. That definitely helps us out there. So please, that would be awesome. Uh, all right, Kurt, let's talk some recruiting. And uh, let's start with the potentially biggest news that came out late last week, and that was the decommitment of uh, Harrison quarterback Justin Fields. Now, I know this is um, a little late for us to get to, but we actually recorded our show the morning that he decommitted, uh, our last show of last week, the morning he decommitted, so we didn't have a chance to talk about it yet. So here we're going to go ahead and get to it today. Um, so it came out late, or it came out last Wednesday. Uh, so we, like I said, we haven't had a chance to discuss on the show, but let's go ahead and dig into this. Fields has been committed to Penn State since last November, which I'm sure most of you, if not all of you know, uh, but he's been tearing it up on the camp circuit this spring. In fact, I think at the Rivals Five Star Challenge this past week, did he win quarterback or uh, quarterback MVP? Right, something like that, or top quarterback. Well, uh, Trevor Lawrence ended up taking MVP, but he won the skills competition. He won the skills competition. That's right. There you go. And there his you go. team beat Trevor Lawrence's team. There you go. There you go. Which is where it really counts on the field. Uh, so yeah, uh, he's been he was committed to Penn State for a long time. But like we say, he's been tearing it up on the camp circuit this spring. And now uh, that his recruitment has reached a fever pitch, he has officially decided to open it all the way back up, decommit from Penn State to ensure he is making the best possible decision for himself. Uh, from all reports that are out there from various services, various sites, uh, various sources, most of them are saying that the major contenders for his services are Auburn, Florida, Florida State, and yes, the hometown Georgia Bulldogs. I'm sure you know Alabama's probably getting there. There's a couple other programs again there, but those are the ones you hear mentioned him most prominently. Uh, Kurt, I'm going to ask you the one question that has been occupying the mind of every Georgia fan who follows this stuff. Do we have a chance here with Fields? I think we do. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is, you know, think the hometown is something at the same time you know we have already have his sister on campus well no she um, she's not on campus she's actually younger she's a 2019 she's committed to to, to us as uh, a softball okay. player but she's a 2019 softball commit but it looks like she's coming to georgia yeah and you guys so hometown hometown kid uh you've got his sister and that that connection there you also hear uh, some whispers around that his family, you know, they'd like for him to stay close to home. One of the, the issues with Penn State was, you know, every time they make a trip back up there, it's it costs a lot of money. And the last time, they, I think they went, when they went up there for a, for their spring game, I think only him and one of his parents could go because they just couldn't afford to keep sending people all the way to, to, up to Pennsylvania. So that I think that's also a factor that might be weighing in our favor. Although you can say, you know, teams like Auburn, Florida, I mean, they're all relatively close. Um, but we are the home state team, so I think that does give us maybe a little bit uh, of an edge there. But do you really think we can land this guy? Really? With, I with think the... we have a shot. I mean, you know, everyone talks about fraud, but I think the biggest thing that helps us is that if you're really looking at it with the return of Bryce Ramsey, the plan for the program is to attempt to, you know, redshirt from. And if that was the case, then I think Fields is pretty confident in his ability that he could challenge from for that spot after 
Jacob Easton leaves. Well, let me ask you this: Is it in our speak? I'm glad you brought Fromm in here for a second. Is it in our best interest to redshirt Fromm, as you just said, so that you can you can sell him on the fact, hey, if you come on, if you come here, Easton will be gone for three years, more than likely, and then Fromm, you and Fromm have an open competition. No guy will have an advantage other than that. Fromm's been here for a year or so more than you. Or is it the other way and say, let's go ahead and, and use Fromm's red shirt to get a little class separation between the two and sell them that way? Which way would you lean? I would say the open competition because I think, you know, it comes back to Trevor Lawrence. It would have been the same thing we talked about how to open competition you land Trevor Lawrence. But at the same time, I think that Fields' game is different than Fromm. And I actually think that given all his intangibles, he would actually truly challenge Fromm with the, you know, they'd both be on campus for a year before the competition would take place more than likely. Yeah, um, that yeah, and I, I, I think I kind of agree. I think I, I do agree with you. But in the dual threat sense, and the fact that Fields is also developing into a really good and accurate passer makes him dangerous. Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah, we're going to talk about his skill set here in just a second. I do want to admit, I'll touch on one thing. So, talking about do we have a legitimate chance land Fields? You know that some of the programs that are also in contention from the Auburns, the Floridas, the Florida States, they're going to be using some negative recruiting against us and pointing out to him that our quarterback depth chart is is tough to get there. you got two five-star prospects there in front of you, uh, back-to-back classes, not really much class separation there, so you can go five stars back-to-back-to-back classes. Is there really a pathway for you to start there in your early playing time? Because only one quarterback can play at one time. That's why it's a unique position. Do you buy that argument, though? Like, Do you buy that negative recruiting that, that oh, teams are using against us? Seen that. I think his Florida State brings in five stars all the time. Uh, Florida, not as much, but they're still bringing in some guys at Auburn. And you know what the thing is, though? What makes uh, Georgia more attractive, in my opinion, for Fields is the fact that we don't have anyone on roster that has the same ability as Fields. Where Auburn, you know, you had best, more what they recruit are all dual threat guys, so there's not a lot of separation between the two players. But if he comes to Georgia, there is something that separates him from Drake Fromm, which a lot of those other programs do not contain. Yeah, he's a entirely different skill set. There's no doubt about that. I also want to point out, though, like this idea that our quarterback dead chart is is much tougher to deal with than, than the other contenders for his signature. I think that's patently ridiculous. We have two scholarship quarterbacks on roster right now. I guess three with Ramsey coming back now. But Ramsey would be gone after this year. But dude, we'll have two scholarship quarterbacks after this year. Two. And you're telling me that that's a more daunting prospect than what Auburn has to offer in Florida? Look, I know you're, you're sitting there saying, well, we got two five-star prospects. But let's not forget, guys, Florida just brought in Malik Zaire. And here's an aspect of the Malik Zaire recruitment that has not been talked about much at all by anyone out there. Is that he's, yes, he's a graduate transfer, but he has two years left to play. He's not just a one-year-and-done kind of guy. He's like Grayson Lambert. He has two years left to play. So if he wins that starting job this year, he could feasibly have it this year and the following year, which is the same as Jacob Eason, this year and the following year. And then after that, it's opened up at either spot, Florida or Georgia. So, And then you also have to factor in, you've got Felipe Franks, who there's, from all reports, are there very high on him. So if he wins the job this year, who knows how long he'll have that job. So I don't know if it's that much more of a daunting prospect to win the job here as it is some of these other places. I think that's kind of overplayed to a degree. Am I crazy there? No, I, you're probably right. I think that's a little bit overplayed. Let's get to his skill set here for a second. This guy is getting an insane amount of attention from coaches, recruiting services, and fans. I mean, you and I, all of us out there. Is he deserving of all of the love and attention he's getting right now? Is he that good? I think he is. Um, you know, the one thing that we talk about with most dual threat quarterbacks is that they're not, you know, good 
good passers for a majority They're of the adequate time. adequate passers, but not deadly passers, right? Yeah, and I think he's developing into a very deadly passer. You know, the one thing is very underrated on him is you know, the guy is a very good baseball player, and I think that's what's going into, you know, developing his passing ability. Yeah, I agree with you. Look, guys, this is why I like Tre- this is why I like Justin Fields over Trevor Lawrence. Okay, and, I, and look, this is nothing new for me. I just I didn't just come up with this when he decommitted. We all of a sudden now have a renewed chance to get him. Go back to when he first committed to Penn State, and I said I actually like this guy more than Trevor Lawrence. You can pull the tape. I don't know if you can people actually do that. I don't know. Go back and listen. I've I've been on record saying this multiple times over the past several months. I like him more than Trevor Lawrence. Not because Trevor Lawrence isn't good. Trevor Lawrence is going to be really good. It's not a reflection on him at all. He's going to be a really good quarterback for Clemson. And they got a good one there. I would love to have Trevor Lawrence, sure. But I like Justin Fields more, and even more so now that he's grown even more as a passer than he had. He's further ahead as a passer than where he was in November, in December. He's, he's gotten better as he's gone through these camps. He's definitely improved his game as, as a pocket passer. And if you couple that with what he brings to the table with his legs, which is a dangerous threat. I mean, this guy can absolutely move. I mean, he is a monster when it comes to making plays with his legs. If you add that to the equation, now with his ability to throw the ball from the pocket consistently, put the ball on the money, as you mentioned, with his accuracy, has a really good arm, and he can run the ball and, and hurt you that way and stress defenses that way, I would absolutely take him over Trevor Lawrence. You know, there, there's not much difference between those two guys, but when you add in the ability to make things happen with your legs and stress defenses that way, I absolutely would take Justin Fields over Trevor Lawrence. If I had the choice, I would. I really would. And I've been saying that for months. I, I mean, I just I think the guys are studying. They're, they're both studs. They're both incredible. It's unbelievable that we have both guys in the state of Georgia in the same class. You add in Emory Jones, it's unbelievable. But if I had to pick, I would take Fields. Who, where would you lean? Would you go Lawrence or Fields? Uh, Fields, just because of the running ability was separates them. Yeah, I agree. All right, so if you're Kirby Smart, you're Jim Chaney, what is your pitch to Fields? How do you reel this guy in? Is it just as simple as saying, hey, stay home, stay close to mom and daddy? I think it's the thing that, you know, stay home, but at the same time, like I said earlier, the fact that we don't have anyone on roster – that has the same ability that he does, and that's what's going to separate himself and give him a legitimate shot to do it. And, you know, he even said in the last interview, honestly, the last time we won an SEC championship, we had more of a, a dual-threat quarterback than we have had in the last couple in the last decade, really. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the biggest things. And, um, you know, I think that's one, the one thing that we just say that, you know, we, with your ability, you're going to separate yourself. And I think we're, and we're trying to go – we want to go towards that type of program, and we're also putting pieces around you. When you're building your pitch to a recruit, you have to, in some respect, anticipate what the competition is going to use against you in terms of negative recruiting. And one of the things they're going to use against we've already talked about in terms of the quarterback depth chart with Fromm and Eason both lined up there in back-to-back classes as five stars. This would make the third straight five-star in back-to-back-to-back classes. But another thing that people are going to use against us, and they are using against us, is, is simply the fact that we have not traditionally run an offense that caters to dual threat quarterbacks. You go, you go back to Shockley in 2005. We had we had some elements there, but this been that's over a decade. Uh, it, and Jim Chaney doesn't really have that background with dual threat quarterbacks, and they're going to point that out to to uh, to Justin and say, "Look, are you going to go to a team like that, or do you want to go to a team that already runs an offense that's tailored to, to fit your skill set?" And my, so, if I'm Kirby, if I'm Jim Chaney, my pitch to counter that is simply this: You're right. The first two years we've been we've been here in Georgia, we haven't run a, a system that caters to dual threat talent. But that's because we don't have a player like you that will enable us to run the offense that we truly want to run long term. 
That's what you have to sell. That you are what we want long term. You are the kind of player we want. We want to run an, an up tempo, dual threat style system moving forward. And if you go back to what Kirby said when he first did the job, do you remember what he said about quarterbacks? He wants a guy that can run, that can make things happen with his legs. He said that from day one. And, you, and Kirby can pull that tape for him and show him that, here, I'm not making this up. I said it as soon as I took this job. So if we can sell him on that, I don't know if we can. But if we can sell him on that and couple that with the, you know, the home state pool, the family connections, those ties, I do think we have a legitimate shot. Now, that brings us to the next question. We both think we have a legitimate shot here. But in the end, if you had to handicap Justin Fields' recruitment right now, where do you think he is most likely to land? I'd say Georgia. Really? I think that we've been recruiting him the hardest right now in the fact that we that he has decommitted, has opened it up for us to continue our pursuit of him. Man, I really want to say us. I don't want to be that homer. I don't. But I think it's either us or Auburn. I'll say it's one of those two. You don't think, I think Florida's in this. I, I think Auburn more so Florida. I mean, what? When has McElwain? Yeah, really a, done we can use the same. Right? Yeah, the same thing can be said about Florida. When has McElwain ever really used an offense with a dual I mean, threat quarterback? Alabama, it was uh, he was the most conservative offensive sure. coordinator ever. Absolutely, did a lot of the same things that Colorado State hasn't shown. I mean, he had Treon Harris, but really didn't run a true. Their offense was terrible under Treon. Yeah, and it didn't really necessarily cater his skill set either. He basically plugged Treon Harris and trying to run the same offense they were running with Will, with Will Greer for the most part. A few things here and there, a few little tweaks, but nothing significant. So I think you say the same thing there. Yeah, Auburn is the one that truly has used a dual-threat quarterback and used it effectively all the way to a national championship. Might have cheated to get there. Probably did cheat to get there, but I guess they got there. Um, and you also hit the Cam Newton connection. you got to think about that, too. He plays on a Cam Newton 7-on-7 seven seven team uh, during the summer. And so he's got a connection there with Cam Newton. I'm sure he looks up to him as a, as a, as a role model. I don't know why you look up to Cam Newton as a role model, but I'm sure he does, playing on a 7-on-7 seven seven team. Um, I think... I, I do think you said Auburn is probably the, the biggest competition. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I, I do based on the kind of offense they run. Although it'll be interesting to see what kind of offense Auburn runs this year with Chip Lindsey in charge. Is he really going to be able to run the system he wants, or is Malazan going to insist on kind of having a hybrid system between his traditional offense, what Chip Lindsey likes? That'll be interesting because if you run what Chip Lindsey likes to run, it's more of a, a chuck and duck offense. They like to throw the ball a lot and throw it vertical down the field, not so much the dual threat aspect to it. At least he hasn't had a quarterback like that. But you, have, but you have factor in what Malzahn's traditional offense looks like and his track record, and you got factor in the Cam Newton connection there. I do think they're probably our biggest competition, but hey, I think you're, look, I think we have just as good of a chance as anybody. So if I had to pick right now, sure, why not take a flyer and say, yes. I don't know. I have no clue, but I think we have as good of a shot as anybody right now during this uh, period where he's resetting his commitment. All right, let's move on to some good news we got over the course of the weekend. We got uh, a commitment from an offensive lineman, Owen Condon. Uh, Saturday we gained a commitment from him. Uh, He's out of Oklahoma. He's a legacy recruit of sorts, as his mom uh, is an alum. He's uh, a a shade over 300 pounds right now, now, at least that's what he's listed at. He also has a reported 82-inch wingspan. Uh, With those numbers... This is the type of prospect that Sam Pittman looks for. These are the guys he's coveting. However, Condon is currently only rated as a three-star prospect and number 477 overall in the 247 composite ratings. Kurt, when you look at Owen Condon, are his current ratings a fair assessment of his ability and the type of player he is? Um, not really. I think, you know, I don't think he's a 
five star or or even a high four star. I think he's a little bit higher. You know, you and I were talking about this before the show. I think the fact of where he lives does have some type of impact on his ratings. What do you say that? So he's from Oklahoma. Why does that impact where he's ranked nationally? Oh, because you see a lot of these camps. Camps are everything when it comes to rankings. And, I mean, we see a lot of kids that we think are undervalued because they don't camp a lot. Let's talk about camp. You're right. I just want to stop there for a second and make sure everyone understands why. Camps are a big deal when it comes to the rating of these prospects. Because if you think about all the high school games that go on on any given Friday night, there's no way these recruiting services have enough employees to get out to all these games and watch them. It's hard to get through all the tape of all the games, but when you can get all these high-level prospects together in one setting and have the recruiting analysts there to watch them, that's when they do most of their evaluation in terms of ranking these prospects. So if you don't go to a lot of these camps, typically you aren't ranked as high. It doesn't mean you're not a good player or as good as some of those guys. They just don't rate you as highly because they don't see you and get a chance to evaluate you in these camps. So that's that's kind of what you're getting at there, right? Yeah. And so the fact that he's in Oklahoma, you're saying that he doesn't get seen in these camps as often? Yeah, I think that's one big thing. Um, and, you know, at the same time, I don't think but he's... But why, why does he get seen in the camps as often just because he's from Oklahoma? Because you and I were talking about this uh, before for the listeners out there, a lot of these camps are held on the coast, kind of like you see the West Coast, California, or they're in Texas, or they're in Georgia and Florida. Yeah, they're held in the states that produce, on average, the highest percentage of of college signees. You know, you got your, your Californias, your Texas, your Georgia, your Floridas, and those are where the high population areas are. So most – look, look, guys, players come from every state, but if you look at it year in and year out, traditionally – you got a higher percentage of players coming from Georgia, from Florida, from Texas, from California, from those areas, the southeast areas, than you do from the Midwest. So they dedicate more resources and manpower to cover those areas. Those areas where you have a higher concentration of the elite prospects, the southeast, you know, the Floridas, the Georgias, even the Texases in the southwest, and on the west coast, California, those areas, which means prospects in those areas get more coverage, they get more exposure, and more often than not, they are usually rated a little bit higher because they're just simply seen more by the analysts who are doing the evaluating and the ultimate ranking of these prospects. So I think there's something to that, Kurt, for sure. For sure. What else? But what is that really the only big reason why he's rated lower than where you think he maybe should be? Um, you know, I just think at the same time he's not the highest rated type player. I think he's one of these guys that really going to have to be on campus for four to five years. Yeah, so, but you, so I mean – is it fair to say that maybe he's a, a little bit undervalued, but not all that much? Yeah, I think he's a little undervalued, but I wouldn't say he's a top 200 player. No, yeah. I'd say he's maybe top 300. I mean, he's, I'd say he's a borderline low four-star type prospect, and that's based yeah, largely that's, on his size and his frame and where you project him moving to. forward. Yeah, I mean, he's, you're right. He's not a five-star at all. He's not a high, At this point, he's great. He's not a high four-star even. Uh, I, I think an argument made before it's all said and done that he could be a, a potential four-star candidate or a high three-star. I think that that's about right for where he is right now. And this guy, I haven't seen him in person, so I, I, I don't have a super strong opinion on him, especially when it comes to linemen, offensive linemen. I like to see them in person before I give a true you know, definitive evaluation on them. I've seen some tape on him, but that's you can only tell so much on that. Uh, but what I've seen, I, I like his frame. I like the fact that he is the kind of guy that Sam Pittman typically goes for, these taller guys with big frames. You can put some weight on them. And uh, can just be maulers out there. Uh, so it, it, look, Sam Pittman, I trust him almost implicitly when it comes to his evaluation. He, he knows a hell of a lot more about recruiting offensive linemen than I do. So if he went hard after this guy and wanted him, then until I have a reason uh, to believe otherwise, I'm going to go with Sam Pittman and give him the benefit of the doubt here. Speaking of Pittman, it, dude, is is he the best recruiter on our staff? Uh, behind 
Yes. Okay, behind Kirby, true. But as far as assistants go, like he he's the best on the staff right now, right? Well, I'll say this. I think he's the best uh, recruiter on staff. It also helps that he's at a position of such dire need. That's true. You, you can pitch that for sure. Uh, I think Del McGee has been a really strong recruiter for us in a year and a half on the job, which I wasn't sure if he would be, but he's really stepped up to the plate. Uh, obviously getting uh, Swift last year and putting us in a really good position to get Zamir White. I think he's done a really good job there. Look, we're, we have a ton of really good recruiters. I mean, we have a great recruiting staff right now compiled here in Athens. But I think Sam Pittman, I think argument can be made that he's the best recruiter on the staff. I mean, think about what he's been able to land in a year and a half here. And we still got some big prospects out there for this 2018 cycle, and Jamari Sawyer and Trey Hill. If we can get one or both those guys, then that's to me would seal the deal. It's him being the best recruiter on staff. But uh, look, I'm I'm really glad we got Condon because I think he's the type of prospect that Sam Pittman, like I said, can mold into a beast down the road. As you, as you mentioned, like, he's the kind of guy I think when he's a when he's a junior or so after a redshirt, I think he's a prime redshirt candidate after some time in the system, growing, building out his frame. I think he can then contend for a job later on in his career. Um, so I, I like him for that, and I'm, I'm excited we got him. But I'm maybe even more so interested in what this means for our offensive line recruiting in the 2018 cycle. Uh, he was quoted as saying, I think this is from, I want to make sure I give proper, proper credit here for this quote. This is from Rivals.com. I think it's Jake Reuse wrote the article. And uh, this is a quote they took from Condon uh, after his commitment on Saturday. He said, quote, well, they've got me and Warren Erickson right now, and they're planning on taking two more guards. I think you can find, kind of figure out who I'm talking about. Me and Warren will be on them. That's all I'll say. Obviously, uh, he's talking about Jamari Sawyer and Trey Hill there, the two other guys. So it sounds like to me, Kerr, according to Condon there, that we want to take four offensive linemen in this class. We've already got him. We've got Warren Erickson from North Winnipeg, I think projects long-term as an offensive guard. Uh, we'll see, though. But what about a guy like Daniel Falele from IMG, the big six foot eight, 400-pound Australian offensive, uh, offensive tackle? For most reports, we are very high, if not at the top of his list. And he's only a three-star right now, but a lot of people are really high on his potential. He's only been playing the sport, for, I think, for like a year or two. I mean, he's from Australia. So if we, are, if we really are going to stick to four offensive linemen in this class, and Philele maybe wants to commit before Hill and Salyer, should we take his commitment? I don't think so. I think the biggest problem with him is the fact that he, we're, you know, we're talking about Condon. Condon projects as a true tackle on the right or left. He can play both tackle positions. Sure. But if you're looking at the other guy, he projects as either right tackle or guards. Yeah, Philele does not have to play left. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, but you wouldn't make room for him? Like let's say that Hill and Salyer have they're going to take their process the distance maybe who knows we'll see I think Salyer is Hill maybe I think Hill might come in a little earlier than that we'll see um, but let's say you feel pretty confident Hill and Salyer that gives you four offensive linemen that give you uh, two guards a center because we're recruiting Hill right now to play center and then a tackle with Condon would you not make room for one more tackle on the board there. I think at some point you got to create some type of class separation, and having two of these guys in two if classes like this, two straights in a row, you're gonna the next year's class is gonna be very, very, very sparse in, recru- in the numbers we can take there, and then boom, you don't have uh, some uh, you know class separation that yeah. can come back and bite you in the butt like we see times before. Yeah, that would like, you're right. That like, would what's be gonna, what's gonna happen now. That would be nine offensive linemen in the in. Two classes in, 2000, uh, in the 2017 and 2018 classes. If we if we took five this year, if we take four this year, it'll be eight in two years. 
which is still a pretty solid. And that's about what you want in any given year, three to four, usually, depending on the circumstances. Uh, I think I lean with you, man. I would love to have Philele because I think long-term his potential is off the chart. I think he could be a really good player. He's, he's young uh, in terms of his, his time playing football. Uh, he's got the size that we covet, the kind of guy that we want on our offensive line. But with the guys who signed last year, and if we signed Hill and Salyer, then I think Philele becomes more of a luxury than anything. Um, he's a guy that we would love to take. But we'll probably have more pressing needs elsewhere. You just can't take everyone, you know. You can't take every guy you want. Don't have many numbers to take this. Yeah, I mean, right now we're probably sitting around twenty-two-ish guys we can probably take, and depending on uh, uh, attrition, we'll see how that goes and how many more spots we might have to offer. I don't know, but right now probably twenty-two-ish. So spots are a little more limited than they were in last year's cycles. I don't know if if you want to take five offensive linemen. If you take five offensive linemen, that means you're giving up a spot somewhere else. And you got to decide, okay, is, and this doesn't happen in a vacuum. you got to look at Philele and say, okay, taking him as a fifth offensive lineman versus taking a, a second running back or taking another receiver or taking a, another safety. So you got to make those decisions. Or taking, maybe taking two tight ends because we're, you know, we're in it for two tight ends that are, I think, you know, Fitzpatrick and Trimble. I would like to take both those guys. So if you take a fifth offensive lineman, you're going to have to sacrifice somewhere else. And I don't know if Philele is the kind of guy you're going to sacrifice one of those prospects at another position. Although, I think he's kind of a luxury. It's the way I'd put it right now. All right, and the last one we want to talk about today is Master Teague, the running back out of Tennessee. You know, he was he was high on us. We were very uh, much a player in his recruitment. He goes and camps at Ohio State uh, this past week and ends up getting the long sought out offer from the Buckeyes that he had been coveting. And he commits today. We're recording this on Sunday, by the way. And he committed today at. 3.33 central time, so 4.33 for us here, and he decides that he's going to go to Ohio State. Uh, Curtis, is this a big loss for us, not Lenny Master Teague? I think it's a pretty big loss. I, you know, I think he'll, he could be a really good player. I think, you know, you and I talked about this before. I do agree. I think it would be an even bigger loss if he had been an in-state guy. Yeah. Uh, but can't at the same time, I, guys I mean, to Ohio I'm State. What? You just can't keep losing in-state guys at Ohio State like that. Yeah, it would, I yeah, would definitely do that. Just, but I'm not going to sit here and say it's not a loss because that would be a lie. But um, I think I don't think it's a make or break. Yeah, I, I hate when you have fans who – a guy that you want all cycle long and then he commits and he commits elsewhere and you all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, I didn't want him anyway. He's not that good. I hate that, and I, I don't want to be that guy. Look, I, I've been on record saying Master Teague is really, really, really good because he is really, really, really good. In fact, I think he's just a notch or two below Zamir White, uh, Big Zeus in, in uh, North Carolina. I think Master Teague is criminally underrated right now by the recruiting services. Maybe that, he hasn't gone to a ton of camps. I don't know the reason. I can't really explain it. I think he's a really good football player. I think he's going to be really good for Ohio State. Um, but if we do end up landing Zamir White, if we land Zeus – then I don't think it's as big of a loss. Um, I think we'll be fine if we land him. Now, if we don't end up landing Zeus, then, oof, okay, this is going to hurt because Teague is going to be a very good player. And if we don't land him or Zeus, that could very well end up being a problem in this class to be a, um, a big handicap in terms of what we want to do moving forward, running the football and being the kind of team that we want to be. But speaking of Zamir White, now that Master Teague has chosen to go to Ohio State, that gives them three running backs in this 2018 class for the Buckeyes. So does this give us any insight into Zamir White's recruitment? Because he's 
he's been very high on Ohio State through the process as well. He's been, you know, we've been very much in this. Uh, Clemson's been in Ohio State. There's really been the three schools that have probably been mentioned most prominently for the longest period of time. Now that Ohio State takes Teague and adds him as their third running back in this class, does that give you any positive feelings about our chances for uh, Zeus? Yeah, I think it does because that closes their class out. So, you know, for a while it had said that the biggest competition for Georgia was Ohio State. Yeah. So I think that really says something. Yeah, and you got also got to throw in North Carolina with Zeus, the home state school. I think he was there this past weekend. Yeah, look, man, I just can't see a scenario where they take four running backs in this class. I can't see it. Maybe that. Uh, maybe I don't know. I just I can't imagine they would do that. That's that would. It's very unlikely. It's very rare that you see a team take four running backs in one class. Now, is there a situation where maybe he wants to commit and they tell one of their, and they stop recruiting one of those other running backs and say, yeah, you know what, we actually like Zeus better than you, so we're going to stop recruiting you as heavily and maybe they'll get the point and then make room for him. Maybe that happens. But I also think this gives us some insight into how Ohio State feels about their, their chances to land Zamir White. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. Because, I mean, would they have taken Teague? Would they have, would they have even offered Teague? Because they offered him... Yeah. yeah, they just, just now offered him. So, and, I, I, and I'm of the opinion, look, I don't know what's going on in Ohio State's coaching staff and in their meeting rooms, but I would imagine, if you look at it from the outside here, that they were waiting to offer Teague until they had a really good feeling that Zeus was going to go somewhere else. So they, they were kind of out of the running for him. So I, I have I, I would venture to say it's, it's reasonable to believe that they had an inkling that they were kind of losing ground on Zamir White Therefore, they want to go ahead and make sure they got somebody and go and offer Master Teague. So that's how I and, – and by the way, did you see the Master Teague? Did you watch his commitment video? Yeah. Okay, did you notice? All right, so for those of you who didn't watch it, go and watch it real quick. You can find it on his Twitter account. But basically, he was kneeling in the middle of the football field with a white T-shirt on. and He had, kind of had his chest kind of tucked under so you couldn't see the logo on the shirt. Obviously, that was going to be the team he was going to commit, commit to. He was going to stand up at the end and reveal who he was going to commit to. And then he was doing some drills with all the other shirts on and, and various other clips. But if you look closely at the, that initial clip, he, he was wearing a Georgia shirt when he was tucked under that white T-shirt. That first T-shirt was a Georgia shirt. You could see the red. You could definitely you could see the black. You see the red and the black. You see the G. You could see the outline. But the very end, he stands, and you guys see that Nike. You look at it close, you can see the Nike check mark uh, on the left hand shoulder uh, of that original shirt. When he stands up at the end, there's no Nike check mark; it's gone. And now you got the Ohio State symbol on there. So it's clearly, in my opinion, he was coming here. He was going to commit to us until Ohio State offered this past week. And once they offered, him, from all accounts, that was his dream offer. Once they offered him, then he went and reshot that last fall, or maybe he had shot alternate versions of it maybe at the beginning who knows but he definitely was wearing a georgia shirt for the entire video until that very last clip it looks like he reshot with an ohio state an ohio state shirt on so i think we were going to get him but Ohio state offers and that was a dream offer so good luck to him hope it goes hope, hope it turns out well for him but back to us here now that we uh master teague's off the board for us we forgot zamir while on the board he's going to come i think the 27th of june i think it's his mom's birthday so a couple, about two weeks here, he'll be committing. Do we still want to take two running backs in this class, or if we get Zeus, that can be done? Are we going to be done for running backs in this class? I think we're still going to go after two to see what the options are, but I don't think it's a must-have to take two. 
I think I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I think if we land Zeus, I feel really good about running back situation. Because look, look at what we already have on the roster. I know we don't have any proven prospects there um, outside of Chubb and Michelle. But you're going to have DeAndre Swift. You're going to have Herring. You're going to have Holyfield. Get Zeus. That's four backs. Right there. I would like to have one more back for depth purposes. I'd like to have you know five backs I feel a little more comfortable with than four. But uh, if we land Zeus, if. It's a big if. Still an if. I, I like our chances, but still an if. Where do we go from here at running back outside of Zeus? What are the other options we're looking at right now? Um, one big option is Dalvin Cook's little brother. Yeah, James Cook. He's committed, but he's committed to Florida State right now. He's number 33 overall in the 247 composite ranks, but he's he's committed to Florida State. I have a hard time believing that we're really seriously in it with him. Uh, if you take into account his famous connections with Florida State and Jimbo Fisher, but if you look at some of these recruiting guys out there, the guys that cover the state of Florida, they're adamant saying, yeah, that he's listening, that we definitely have a shot. I, I don't know if I really believe all that much, but they're saying they, they do that for a living. They, they contact these guys, and they have inside sources. So I'll take their word for it right now. Maybe, maybe. Um, what about a guy like Damian Pierce from Bainbridge? Do we get back in it with him? Former Alabama commit. FSU Brown. I, see, look, I, I'll just be real with you guys, and I, I don't like dogging these guys. I really don't, but I'm not all that high on Damian Pierce. I don't think he's that good of a running back. I think he's okay. I think he's pretty good. But I don't think he's a Georgia-caliber running back. I don't think you're going to win big with a guy. And he can maybe a change of pace guy for depth purposes. I don't ever think Damian Pierce is going to be a true feature back in the SEC or for for us. I don't think he would be. I don't think I, I think he'd be a piece I don't think he'd be a feature back. I don't think he's better than DeAndre Swift. I don't think he's better than Elijah Holyfield. I don't even think he's better than Brian Harriet. I definitely don't think he's better than Zeus. So maybe you bring him in for debt purposes if if you don't get some of the other guys. If you don't get a a James Cook, maybe you bring him in late. But I don't think he's a great player. Am I I really off on that? No, I don't think he does. He's a... Excellent at any particular thing. I mean, he, he's he's slow. He, he He's not fast. He's not explosive. He doesn't have that burst of the hole. He runs with a decent amount of power, but not as much power as you would think with a guy with his size. You'd think he'd run a, a lot harder than he does. Uh, he doesn't move very well laterally. He has okay vision. Uh, he, just, he doesn't stand out to you at, at the high school level. And he plays at a lower classification, too, at Bainbridge. He doesn't stand out to you there. Normally, when you have those lower classifications— you expect a running back to just destroy people and just to, to jump off the page, off the tape. I don't see it with him. So I think he's a pretty good player. I just I, – he doesn't do a ton for me, though. I'll just be honest there. So be interesting to see where we turn for running back. Uh, I was really high on a guy like uh, Deshaun Finwick, a guy at Florida I was really high on, but, you know, we kind of slow played him looking at some other options, and he committed to South Carolina. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where we go from here. But if we get Zeus – I'll still feel really good about the running back position in the 2018 class. So we'll find, I guess, out in a couple of weeks here. All right, guys. Well, that does it for our roundup of all the recruiting news around the world of Georgia football over the past week or so. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, We'll definitely be back with a couple more editions of our recruiting blitz as the offseason progresses. Obviously, there's no games to talk about right now. We're doing uh, some previews of our Sky and the Enemy series. But uh, recruiting, um, there's a lot of stuff to talk about as the camps continue this summer. I'll actually be at the uh, UGA 7-on-7 camps this week on Thursday. On, uh, I think actually it's Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So I'll be bringing you guys some information there from what I see uh, from the prospects who are in attendance here in Athens. Uh, so check back with us later this week, guys. We will have the second part of our Scouting Enemy series, this time taking a look at the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I've had a lot of fun scouting those guys. As I really do all the teams on our schedule. Uh, so that'll be fun on a Thursday show. Check back with us then. 
Like we said at the beginning of the show, you can follow us on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. You can also check us out on Facebook. Just search for Glory UGA Podcast. If you guys like us there, that'd be awesome. Definitely help us out. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler. As always, guys, go dogs.